Support for Gig with Mike Redman comes from Music Connection. For 45 years, connecting artists and musicians with each other and the industry. And you can find them on the web at musicconnection.com. Hi, everybody. This is Gig, and I'm Mike Redman. With every episode of Gig, I have a conversation with a successful professional in the film or music industry. Today, my guest is legendary stunt performer Rick Avery. Stunt performers are the people that crash the cars, take the hits, get shot, fall off buildings, get set on fire, but you never really know who they are. They add the excitement and drama to a show. They also stand in for actors and actresses so they don't get hurt. I kind of think that's an insurance thing. But anyway, they're incredibly trained and meticulous when it comes to safety. Rick Avery's been a stunt performer in over 700 films, including Get Shorty, Animal Kingdom, Ant-Man, American Sniper, The Intern, and the list goes on and on and on. I recently had the pleasure of talking to Rick, but I had the preconception that he was going to be this tough guy because of the work that he does. But for me, it was another example of incorrectly prejudging people. By the way, try to learn this lesson early on if you can. Rick is one of the most talented, charming, and open people I've met in a long time. Hello, sir. How are you? What do you have an infectious smile? <laughs> I still have all my real teeth. <laughs> do you really? Yeah. <laughs> how's your day going? It's going well. Thank you. So do you live in live in, in LA? I live in LA. Where, where are you? Right now I'm in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida. Ah, is it warm there? It's actually a friend of mine said, hey, Mike, you know, it's kind of like a bad day in San Diego. <laughs> it's, per- it's perfect. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's good. It's coming. I, mean, I can think of worse places to be in the winter. Yeah. Like a lot of a lot of them. Yeah. 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 So, hey, first, I want to just thank you for taking some time. We're just going to I'm probably I'm going to hopefully not ask you the same questions that everybody in the world asks you because uh i'm going to ask a couple just because of the people that are listening to this are going to want to know what in the world you know what your world is like but uh probably a lot of the people that are on my podcast are are people that you also know and work with so i'll be careful with that too (laughs) yeah can i i'm gonna can i put you on the spot for a second and 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 i had these few questions that always pop up we'll just get them out of the way anything is off limits or something to say pass or whatever you want to say and i'll just cut it out no, actually, actually, I'm writing my fourth book. I've gotten a lot into writing lately, and it's called Too Old to Tell Lies. And it's all it's all about my movie experiences, and I don't pull any punches because uh-huh. I'm I'm really too old to touch right now. So, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't I don't mind any questions at all. Oh, here we go. Over 700 films. How many car crashes? Oh man, hundreds. I I think I've done. Big ones where you're talking about car rollovers and that type of thing, where you're going 50 plus miles an hour and going 30 feet in the air and rolling and tumbling. I've probably done 40 of those. Mm-hmm. I'm paying for it now. Yeah, I, we're, <laughs> we're going to probably get to that too. Uh, <laughs> highest jump ever. A high fall? Yeah. I'm not really a, a, I'm not really a high fall uh, specialist. The highest I ever went was 55 feet and scared the hell out of me. And uh, I'm glad I'm not known for doing that type of thing. Well, you know, I'm a pilot, so I'm not afraid when I'm in, in an aircraft, but I'm severely afraid of heights and being on buildings. It, it I'm really scared of it. And I've had to do it throughout my career and not really. Some of your some of your uh, 
Uh, I, I read some of your stuff and, and we share, I, we share very little in common actually, you know, cause I have a lot of, <laughs> I have a lot of special forces friends that are in that world. And I'm always telling them, I said, God, you guys kind of amaze me because you know, God made you different than me. You know, your bodies are different. Everything about you is different. Yeah. So what degree, uh, what uh, degree uh, black belt are you? Seven. Are you able to still hold on to that? Or is, is that a forever thing by the way? No, yeah, no, it's a it's a forever thing. Um, yeah, and there's talks of maybe going higher recently from a phone call I got. But right oh. now I'm a seventh degree. I've been doing it for martial arts for 52 years. Total number of titles held because you have a bunch of them. Well, in, in the martial arts, there's quite a few. Uh, boxing, I've got four four world championships and wow. the master's division. Yeah. This is crazy. It's crazy. When you start looking back at this stuff, I have to say, it must be, it's going to be fun writing this book. It'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. I think I've written, I've written three books. I'm working on a fourth as well. So uh, how many times have you been set on fire or ever? Uh, quite a few. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Probably a dozen times where I'm doing a full engulf. Mm -hmm. And lastly, in this little list of questions, how many bones have you broken? Oh, I just got back from the doctor. Cause I do a, every six months. I do a checkup. To stay ahead of things. Uh, let's see. 18 stitches in my head. Had my nose broken. We'll work down to rotocuff surgery on my left shoulder. Separation right shoulder. Mm. Uh, let's see. We'll work down three knee operations on my right knee ACL. Um, broke my ankle once. Sprained it bad three times. Broke my hand. Oh, they found that by mistake. Uh, looking at something else. I had a sprained sprained wrist once. Uh -huh. And so I had an x-ray taken of it. Yeah. And he said, oh, man, you've broken your hand a whole bunch of times. I went, oh, I didn't know. Oh, my gosh. And then I had to do a stunt uh -huh. that next day. And it was I went to the Raiders doctor, Dr. Nicola at the time, who took care of professional football players and, and wanted to get him back on the grid, you know, gridiron really quick. And I said, I've got to be thrown off a bar tomorrow. And he said, well, I'm not going to put a cast on you. Just hold on to your wrist really tight. Mm -mm. And then if it gets worse, you know, oh, come in and I'll fix it. Oh, Jesus. So, so, Rick, what, yeah. what what made you decide to be a stuntman to begin with? I mean, to go into that part of the profession as opposed to being, you know, your good looking guy, you know, instead of going more the acting route. Well, initially, I was competing in the martial arts. I, I had a school in Santa Barbara. Mm -hmm. I was going down to Los Angeles and Las Vegas, all over the Western states to compete. And once when I was in L.A., I met a man named Kim Kahana, who was also a martial artist, but had, was a stuntman established. Uh -huh. And uh, he invited me to his home one day, and I saw all those pictures up on the wall of him with actors and asked him yeah. you know, about that. And, and I actually trained at his school wow. for about four years and didn't get anywhere. Uh, oh, no kidding. Gave up the notion of becoming a stuntman, but that's where I initially got my my first idea to become one. How old were you then? Uh, probably, probably 29. That's interesting. So what did your parents think of this? If you get be going into the stunt world where they, where, you know, well, people, they're probably scared, right? Well, yeah, my mother would say Michiganite, so I'm crazy and Jewish. Uh, I, I, my father didn't know. I lost my father when I was 16. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, and then mm. that, it's all right. And then um, I quit college with six months to go. I was going to Cal Poly. Yep. Okay, and school. I quit to buy I, I, my instructor 
who owned a karate school in Santa Barbara, offered it to me for $1,000. Oh, wow. So I bought the school, quit. I, I mean, I bought his school, mm-hmm. quit college with one semester to go. And my mother thought I was crazy. What are you doing? Uh, but that school led to everything in my life. Uh, I was able to buy a home, raise a family, get into the movie business. Um, and everything actually led from there. So, okay, we're talking about, you know, broken bones and this and that was maybe just make me think about, you know, the the business that you're in, uh, your job is all about managing risk, right? And, and it's still a dangerous profession. Yeah. Well, what's the scariest kind of gag that you do? I mean, that stuntmen in general do that where it's like, you know, we can manage this and this and this, but there's always this piece. Yeah. I, I You know, the difference between a daredevil and a stuntman is a daredevil doesn't really know what the outcome is going to be. He does. It's a one-time deal. Yeah. Uh, stunt people, we rehearse the stunt as many times as we can so that it's repeatable in a movie okay. if they want a second take. Gotcha. So most of the time, there's very little unknown as far as the gag. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, it's a lot safer. We don't really do high falls that much anymore. Mm-hmm. Wires are what attaches you. Yeah. Uh, we don't do a lot of explosions anymore mm. because uh, it's done on a green screen. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot safer than it was when I got into the business. Yeah. Um, I think the idea of the danger and what scares you depends on the person. Yeah, I'm afraid of heights, so a high fall would scare me. Gotcha. Um, I'm not afraid of doing car stuff or fire or a stair. Any of the other stuff is fine. Mm-hmm. So I guess it varies with the person. There's no doubt that you're a legend. I mean, I've talked to some other guys and, and they said, oh, I think I can't remember how I originally got you from my book, but it's, oh, you need to talk to Rick. I mean, he's he is the guy. So let's switch gears a little bit. Um, you're, you know, tell me a little bit about your books, because I find that fascinating that you have, you know, a, you have a very wide range of interests between you know what you're doing on a daily professional basis uh and so do you want to talk a little bit about them like what are they about why somebody should read them well i i have been told most of my life because i had an eclectic life Mm -hmm. uh that i should write a book so for 15 or 20 years i got about 50 pages done uh i just couldn't get into it and a friend of mine tom bleaker Mm -hmm. who was a writer uh, and also a Kempo martial artist. We had dinner one night and he said, I'll help you. So he helped me. He helped me do my first book, which I just so happened to have here. Ah. It's called, it's called Upside Down. It's called The Life at Risk. <laughs> I like that. Uh, yeah. And it's a, it's a biography yeah. uh, and talks about my eclectic life. And then I, when I went back to college during the pandemic mm-hmm. to finally finish my degree, I majored in digital photography, oh, so I've been cool. doing a lot of that lately. And my second book is a pho- photography book called Sidewalks. Oh, nice. It's street photography. And my girlfriend, Megan, her father, back in the 60s, mm-hmm. flew a little tiny airplane with his friend from Sydney to London to enter an air race and then back again. Wow. And there were eight pages of notes. And it, it seems so matter of fact, but I, as a pilot, realized the dangers that he went through to accomplish sure, this. Sure. And so I wrote this book. It's called The Challenge of the Spirit of Sydney. And so uh, 
Those are what I've been doing lately. Yes. You know all about that because that's your profession. Well, it's, it is now. It's more like a hobby. I don't know what in the world mine is. I, that's kind of an off the podcast thing. I don't know. These days, I'm, a, I'm a, okay, we're going to cut this part out. But it's, it's a little bit like, you know, I'm pretty retired now. So it's like, Mike, what are you going to do with your time? You know? Exactly. And, and what are you going to do that's meaningful, relevant? What makes you want to get up in the morning? You know, you, I don't know. All of my all of my buddies that are my age, you know, they're kind of like, "Wow, hmm, what am I doing now?" And it's like, I don't know. It's cathartic, and it's it lets loose your creative instincts. Mm-hmm. And uh, I go uh, a lot of my photography nowadays is of the homeless, and uh, mm. I'll drive through downtown Los Angeles with my camera just out the window because it's very dangerous. And I'll just go click, 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 click down a block. I'll get home, get on Photoshop, and zoom in. Yeah, and there's twenty stories. Wow. Right there. Now, when yeah, you say it's, it's dangerous, it's dangerous to stop and get out, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to be walking down there. I mean, every block has 20 drug deals going down and I capture them actually on camera. Yeah. Yeah. My, that's a little bit like the Mission District in San Francisco is kind of like yes. that. You're okay yeah, there after certain parts of the day. It's don't go. Uh, yeah. So tell me what, what about the stunt world uh, and stunt performers. What's the coolest part of the profession? I mean, why... Besides the financial side, why did you stay in it for so long? I think it's uh, the unpredictability of what you're going to be doing next Mm -hmm. and the um, comradeship amongst us all. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes uh, we don't see each other for 10 years, but it seems like yesterday when we see each other on the set. Um, Mm -hmm. It was funny. I was doing a car chase with a famous stunt guy who had a he had to retire due to head injuries. And uh, we were in the tent after after we had had lunch. And I said, you know, just another th- we're doing the same thing. Every movie, it's mm-hmm. a different it's a different script, but it's the same thing. And he said, Rick, I don't see it that way. Oh. I see that we've been in combat together and we're brothers in arms. And wow. and I guess that's truly what it is. The uh, community that you guys have. The, the community. Yes, very much so. And the challenges yeah. that it presents to you as a person as an individual to excel in whatever's asked of you i have like i said i have a fair number of friends that are in special forces and there seems to be a a, a a fairly large number that end up going into your type of work uh you know after after serving is that is that something you've ever no- noticed at all yeah i i have a, a few friends that are former navy seals uh and it's definitely a step in the same direction. We're all cursed and blessed with this alpha gene. They call it the risk gene. You, you probably know about I've it. I've heard of it, but I, that's yeah. first, I never thought of it this way. So it's a curse because you feel that you need to do something, whether it happens to be just skiing off the top of a mountain mm-hmm. or diving high off of a diving, whatever it happens to be. But the gene is ingrained in you. And gotcha. it forces you to have to do these types of things. That's the curse. The blessing is you get to do it all. So so uh, talk a little bit about, um, I just talked to an agent yesterday. And why is it important for a stunt person to have an agent? Well, most stunt people don't have an agent. Uh-huh. Uh, the agents that they do have usually are for commercials, mm-hmm. where commercial casting uh Casting agency will will get you work. Gotcha. Uh, most of the work we get is by word of mouth and reputation. Okay. okay. Uh, in recent years, uh, although I never have had an agent, uh, stunt coordinators are now getting agents so they can make a better deal for themselves. Oh, gotcha. Uh-huh. We don't like talking about money and having to be 
held down, you know, so sure. we let the agent do that work for us. I got you. Spe- thinking, uh, speaking of, of money, are there different uh, scales of pay for different types of stunts? Uh, there's a basic, we're in the Screen Actors Guild, so mm-hmm. we come in on, on either a daily or a weekly. And then for a stunt person, uh, we're given what's called a, a bump or a stunt adjustment for doing a particular gag, which is a stunt. Sure. So you might do a stair fall and get 1200 bucks for it. You might do a, a car rollover and get $10,000 for it. That's mm-hmm. added to your pay. The gotcha. beauty of uh, uh, of our business is that we get residuals after that. So you whatever do. you do on a particular movie, you're mm-hmm. paid for for life. And then your family is paid for it after that. Mailbox money. Yes, mailbox. World. When, when you can get that, baby. Yeah, <laughs> that's 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 the profession to be. And I've, I haven't written music, you know, professionally in a, a long time. And I, I see these checks show up. I was like, what the heck was that for? And I just it makes my day. Yeah. 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 Well, it's it's actually harder for for stunt people now with the streaming services. Yeah. Our residuals uh, are being diminished by the year. Uh, so for the new newer stunt people getting into the business, it's not going to be as lucrative. Well, that's interesting. So is it kind of like a prerequisite uh, to have a, a, a black belt to be a stuntman? I don't think I've seen one that doesn't. It's either in Kempo or uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or, you know. Well, actually, there's there's quite a few stunt people that, that don't have black belts. Uh, mm-hmm. When I got into the business in the early, set, uh, early 80s, uh, it was rare for, at that time still, for stunt people that have black belts. So a lot of us got martial arts movies and parts because we mm. were. Uh, now yeah. the martial arts are very, very popular. So uh, you, you probably see more of that, but it's not a prerequisite at all. I mean, yeah. basically, if you know how to throw a few kicks that are easy to learn and mm-hmm. uh, a few punches and have the right teacher, you can learn yeah. how to do a, a movie fight anytime. Well, yeah, that's... You remind me of people that I know that have a skill that they've done it for so long, it's like opening their eyes. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, uh, I could, you know, I could teach you to look good on camera. Well, I, I believe you because this is what you do. But I'm thinking, yeah, I don't know. That's no, no, it's, it's true. My it's, mentor, Alan Gibbs, used to tell mm-hmm. me, I don't know if I can use the profanity, but he used to say. You can use anything you like here. He said, he told me, Rick, this is all kid shit. I could teach a grandma to do this. And if you have a good teacher, <laughs> yeah, literally, you literally can. If you have any athletic ability at all, it's not hard. I taught my two sons who are both stuntmen. I taught mm-hmm. them how to do a picture fight in about 15 minutes. I, I set up a camera. I showed them the angles. I showed them the different uh-huh. punches. And they were able to pick it up really fast. Wow. So uh, I had an actor once for a TV show, um, Top Gear, or I forget what it was called, but he wanted to do a car rollover. So I literally mm-hmm. taught him how to do a car roll and we did one at 40 miles an hour. So yes, it can all be done. Um, wow. Just have to have the right teacher. I was going to say, is this, so is there a school that, that most stuntmen go to, or is this something where you take somebody under your wing or is it, you know, or do you find a mentor? That's, How does that uh, work? That's a fantastic question because uh, there, there were some schools, a couple of schools 
years ago, they were kind of frowned upon. It was more like uh, mm -hmm. on the weekends, go out to Bob Yerke's place and, and hang out with other aspiring stunt people. And they would do high falls yeah. and do some fights and practice on an air ram. Uh, there's mm -hmm. a couple of schools right now, but it, it's more like what you said. Finding a coordinator who's willing to take you under his wing and teach you slowly. That's I found Alan Gibbs, who was, in my mind, the greatest who ever lived. He uh, he was one of wow. Hal Needham's nice. uh, protégés and, oh, wow. uh, and coordinated for Hal. And I was just blessed to be taught by him. And he would give me little snippets at a time. You know, the first yeah. time I did a car stunt for him was, Rick, all you got to do is come up and stop. And I said, well, that's not really yeah. a stunt. He said, yeah, well, Robert Redford is walking in front of you. So you hit him, <laughs> that's going to be bad. And then he would give me a little bit more. The next movie would be Thor 90. Next yeah. movie, and finally, five mm -hmm. years later, I would do, be, be doing car rollovers for him. So a, a yeah. good coordinator takes, brings you along slowly. And, and yeah, that's, that's awesome. the best. It's an on-the-job training. Yeah, that's great. And that's, that's nice to see that, that anymore. Do you, as you mentioned earlier, uh, they're using green screen and, and wires and stuff a lot now. Is, is CGI and, and uh, things like that, are they changing the industry, the advances in them enough to where it's actually affecting how much work there is in yes. the stunt business? Yes, because instead mm -hmm. of having 20 people in a scene or 50 people in a scene, they can, they can double it up easily with CGI. Uh, I remember when yeah. uh, it first came out, we used to have, do ratchets, meaning having a wire, they're called jerk-offs actually, because they're initially done on horses. <laughs> and you'd have the wire back here and we'd have to hide it from camera. Uh, now you uh -huh. can have a whole company shooting behind you and they can just right. eliminate it. Uh, so yeah, yeah it, it has made things safer in some respects, but it has cost mm -hmm. jobs, sure. Just as, as a helicopter pilot, yeah. I do a lot of production mm -hmm. uh, with a helicopter and drones have pushed a lot of the work away from us as well. Just the way things go. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, it is progress. If you're if you're good, I mean, you seem like the kind of person that likes progress. And and a lot of you know, if you have that attitude, yeah, it's all I, good. I think because because you, you have enough talent, you have enough talent. You think enough, you can come up yeah, with something you have else. To, to do, you so. have to flow with it. I I I mean, magazines are gone, right? Everything's online. You can't even get a good magazine anymore. So everything everything evolves and. If you if you stay back in the past, you're going to get lost. So you got, got to evolve. Yeah, my favorites. Don't look in the rearview mirror, Mike. You know. Yeah, there you go. Tell me a story about a, a project or a moment when you were working and something either really cool happened and you said to yourself, "Gosh, you know, Rick, I'm really I'm good at this." <laughs> I tell you what, I I won't tell you about a stunt that I was really good at, but it's a quick little. Well, you know, Clint Eastwood is known for uh, the best set in Hollywood to work on. Short hours, it's quiet, there's no uh -huh. radios allowed, he never yells action, he just says, whenever you're ready. Very low key. Wow. I've worked for everybody, mm -hmm. but from Spielberg, to, you name it, I've worked for Rod Howard, yeah. Ron Howard, I've, I've worked for them all. And all my job was to do on this movie was just... The there would be a truck coming at me who's going to pull a U-turn, jump over a medium. And he came over to me, which is rare for a director to do. And he said, well, mm -hmm. what would you do, Rick, if a truck did that in front of you? And I said, well, I'd probably either slide straight or throw a 90 or something like that. He said, well, do that. And then he I, I did it. It was nothing. It was a nothing deal. It was a one day job. And uh, yeah on American Sniper. And you don't even see me in the movie, really. It's just 
that quick. Uh-huh. But I remember after doing uh-huh. it, and he only, he only does things one time. Most of the time, it's one or two takes, and he moves on. He doesn't wait on. Wow. And uh, I remember awesome. him watching me in the monitor, and I said, this is Clint mm-hmm. freaking Eastwood watching me do a stunt. And I took a picture in my uh-huh. mind, and that that yeah. might answer your question or not. I know, I know we talked yeah. about this earlier, keeping your creative juices as you get older. And they asked him how he keeps going, because I think he's 91, 92. And he says, every morning, I just don't let the old man in. (laughs) Ooh. Oh, thank you. Oh, I'm going to write that on my wall. Well, geez, I want to ask you about something that you talk about fairly regularly, which is, you know, your motto of no quit. Tell me, tell me about that. Where did it come from? Why, you know, how did, how's it helped you through the year? I was, uh. I was wrestling in high school, and uh, the first wrestling match I did, the, the guy that I was wrestling with was so skinny that my teammates actually were making fun of him and thought I was going to just rip him apart. And he put my face in the mat and it never left the mat, uh, and he won. And my coach, yeah. Coach Mangus, took us in the locker room afterwards, and he embarrassed me in front of all of my my colleagues and peers told me I was a quitter and it really affected me. Uh, I trained really hard to wrestle that guy again and he still Uh beat me, but not as bad. But the rest of my life was based on that, that I would never ever quit again. That guy probably never had any idea what the long-term effects of just yeah, well, it could that. destroy a person. I mean, you could you could destroy a person, and he would quit, and and that would affect him in a negative way. I had a good friend of mine, Scott Mitchell, and he called me in high school one day and said, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm just on the couch watching TV." And he said, "Why are you doing that? Come out and go surfing with me." And uh, he he kind of chewed me out as being a lazy guy, and that stuck with me, and that's been a curse my whole life. Because ever since then, I've not laid on the couch anymore. So <laughs> you should have had me. You should have had me as a friend, man. I, I lay on the yeah, couch and watch TV all the time. <laughs> Looking at your future, you know, you've, it sounds like you've done pretty much everything in the film business stunt world and some acting and a little bit of directing. And is there something on your list, like some goals that you still want to achieve in the professional side before you say, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to. uh just concentrate on my photography and writing and that's it. I, I think that, I think that's it. You know, the business doesn't, you don't quit this business uh, that I'm in and uh, the business quits you. The phone stops ringing or slows. And I, I would say that's probably where I am. I, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be Bob De Niro's stunt man. And so, mm-hmm. you know, every once in a while he gets some action to do and I go over and I do it. I still travel all over the United States to give martial arts seminars. And I have a boxing tournament that I put on. It's the biggest master's boxing tournament in the world in Las Vegas wow. every year. So I have, I have all these interests in photography, yeah. but you know, Mike, it's a matter, it's a matter of acceptance. I think you mm-hmm. need to accept where you are in life. Otherwise sure. you'd be miserable. And, uh, I'm finding that my free time is much more enjoyable once I have done that. Mm-hmm. And I keep my fingers in, in all of these other little things that keep me just busy enough. I, I've been so busy my whole life traveling, and I've always had three jobs until the last five years. Always had three jobs yeah. from 16 on. And so mm-hmm. I'm just starting to learn how to just <laughs> relax, wake up in the morning and you know enjoy the day, walk around and look at the sky. 
But in the beginning, I said something about it, your attitude. It's all right here. I mean, I have so many friends that are struggling with, they work their butts off their whole life and it's now, now what am I going to do? But it's, a lot of them don't have any other interests. So they're, I don't want to say they're screwed, but they're really kind of struggling with it all the time. And I, on the other hand, am, you know, counseling or advising or whatever, listening and thinking, wow, I've got, this is just great. I, honey, is it, is the market tomorrow? It's, it's Saturday, right? And she goes, no, it's Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm like, oh, well, that's pretty cool. It, so that's awesome. No, that's no, awesome. It's, it's very true. I mean, if you don't have anything to do, you're going to sit around and you're going to die Yeah, that because that's what you're waiting for, because that comes into your mind a lot in, in your older years. Yeah. You know, you're, yeah. you're limited. When I see my family, uh, I know that there's only, I have fewer Christmases than I had at the beginning. So every sure. moment, if you can treasure it more and mm -hmm. you still are feeling like you're productive, that's the important thing. You know, like you, I, I, I was really smart with my money and I'm, I, I don't need to work. I'm comfortable yeah. and uh, it allows me to pursue those, those more fun things like photography. Yeah. I have one last question for you, but I wanted to make an observation first. I can tell in this short time, Rick, I can tell just, you know, just talking to you that you're one of the nicest guys walking the planet. Oh, thank you. And you got, and you got, and you got a big heart and you worked hard and you deserved everything that you've done. And I can also tell that that's one of the biggest reasons that you were on seven and 700 films was that people wanted your energy around them. Oh, that's nice of you to say. Thank you so much. So last question here. And it's uh, it could be a run on it's it's one sentence, but it could be a run on sentence. Okay. And and it is uh, if I was a youngster, no, 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 let me strike that. <laughs> if I was a, a young person and I wanted to get into your business, yeah, what would you say is the best way to get my foot in the door? I just got done writing a chapter on this. Uh, don't give it don't give it all away. They should read your book. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I just had a young man give me a call. Two days ago and asked, uh, he's a gymnast. Uh, he's done a little bit of directing. He wants to become a stuntman. I said, forget it. I said, unless when I got in the business, there were only 400 stunt people and we traveled mm -hmm. all over the world. Now right. there are stunt people in New York, Canada, wherever you go, there's stunt groups. There's thousands of them. We're all struggling to make a living. Hollywood's pretty much dead, except for a little television. It's all in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. The first thing you need to do is get a Screen Actors Guild card. And back right. when I got in, there was a catch-22. You couldn't work on a Screen Actors Guild movie unless you had a Screen Actors Guild card. Yeah. And you couldn't get right. the card unless you worked on a movie. <laughs> so you had to get taft hartley in uh, by being wow. requested or knowing somebody, having a special skill. Nowadays, it's easier because you work 10 days on a Screen Actors Guild movie as an extra, and you'll get your card. So first mm. you have to get your card. No stunt coordinator is going to hire you without it. Then you need to go out and train and meet other stunt people, network with them. Once you've done that, you got to do what's called the hustle. You got to go out and hustle stunt coordinators, hand them your, your picture and your resume, be turned down and do it every single day because the people who are working are out there mm -hmm. every single day hustling. So it takes, even with a good connection, a good stunt coordinator that works you it takes about eight years before other people see you and become what's called established. So wow. I would say, and, and because the residuals are diminishing, I would say, find something else to do. I know that's really negative. No, you know what? That's it. That's uh, one of the things that it was, that I was writing in my film book is I just, I'm all about young folks finding work that is, uh, can pay them enough that they can take a vacation, that they can have a family, that they can buy a car. 
And there are lots of them that aren't the best anymore or maybe never were. So I appreciate the, the honesty there because that's what I want people to hear. I would put an asterisk on this. There's a guy maybe watching this that wants to be a stuntman and he's saying, I don't give a damn what you say. I'm still going to do it. And that's the guy that will be successful still. Ooh, ah, that's the guy that uh, has written on his wall, no quit. I'm a firm believer in, in uh, you know, thinking, you're thinking about your goals. And if you think about yeah. them enough and visualize them, they will happen. So that guy will become a stuntman or a stunt woman. And uh, but for the majority, I'd say go to school, get a good job. Rick, thank you. Thank you for spending a little time with me. I, I really sincerely appreciate it. And I really enjoyed, enjoyed it, Mike. I hope we get a chance to meet in person. And I will be out there now. I've got so many friends of mine that we're going to we're do, working on this podcast with. And I will be out there and I'll ping you when I'm headed that way. I'd love to have a cup of coffee with you. Hey, you got to do that. And I got lots of lies I can tell you. I love I, I love lies. <laughs> <laughs> you take care. You too. Bye. Okay. Thank you. Bye bye. Theme music for Gig with Mike Redman was composed and produced by Other Animal. Thank you for joining me today for another episode of Gig with Mike Redman. If you like what you heard, I'd ask that you subscribe and like us. And finally, if you have questions about a job or ideas for an episode, contact me at gigwithmikeredman at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Mike Redman, signing off.